Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, Resident Evil 2, Astrobot, Trails of Cold Steel, and everything else we've been playing. Get ready, it's going to be a good time. And welcome back to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast that is fluent in gaming. Uh, my name is Arnie, and I will be taking over hosting duties today with my sultry voice, as always. Um, before we get into anything, please remember uh, to follow us on iTunes, YouTube, any podcast app that you listen to this show on. And more than anything, please, if you haven't already, leave us a, a review and a rating on iTunes. Uh, it's the best way for shows like ours to sort of grow and get noticed noticed and for other people to discover the amazingness that is currently being pumped into your ear holes. Um, (laughs) And as part of that amazingness, we're going to move on to introducing my co-hosts, who I could not literally do this show without. Uh, First up, from the picturesque land of the Yukon Territories in Canada, we have Paul. I mean, you could do the show without us. It would just be the loneliest podcast. That's true. That's that's accurate. I could definitely do the show without you. The production. It'd be the sultry gamer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> be an ASMR that'd be terribly edited. <laughs> um, and then from the lands of Helsinki, Finland, we have Masa. And I feel like... We haven't had you on the show for like a month now, so I'm very happy yeah, I mean, that you're finally here. I actually, like that's why I just like my greeting was in was in Finnish because it's been so long since I've been on. How <laughs> to speak English? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! And then rounding out this um, this podcast panel that we have for today's episode, our very good friend who we're so happy to have back. We've been wanting to have him back for a while now. Uh, the Bearded Wonder, the leader of the coffee cult, as he's known on Instagram, uh, Dennis, a.k.a. Strilly Vanilli. Guten Tag. How are you doing today, Strilly? Thank you very much for having me again. I'm psyched, as always, and I'm pretty fine. Thanks. Good. I hope you guys are um, doing good, too. Yeah, we're doing great. I mean, we're here, we're recording a podcast, and in honor of your return... Um, we have prepared a very special topic in that we prepared nothing at all. And so we're going to talk about what we've been playing lately. <laughs> I was kind of expecting you to say that we are going to talk about nothing. <laughs> what, what, what a nihilistic honoring. <laughs> I was expecting like a surprise. Yeah, I was like, too. whoa, I thought we talked about the topic before and it was going to be almost nothing. <laughs> We're talking about the Ocarina of Time. No, we're not oh. going to do that. We're never going to do. We're never going to talk about <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Never. Okay, let's go. No! I, I'm good. <laughs> and how much we all hate it. Oh, oh my boy. god. Oh boy. <laughs> oh wait, is that not what we were talking about? That's the way you want people to write reviews about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get those reviews Come one on. way or another. Dennis. Dennis. Negative reviews are all also reviews. That's exactly. true. Negative press is also press. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly true. We don't true. care about the content of the reviews. We only care about the number of them. That's I want to the make this show popular enough so that I, when I inevitably destroy it, it'll be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and go out with a bang. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but no, so we're going to be talking about what we've been playing lately. I feel like we 
are doing these about once every month or two now. And I really like these because while it's fun to talk about like prepared subjects and sort of dig into stuff, I feel like when you get around other collectors and other people who like playing video games, the thing that you most talk about is what you've actually been playing. So I feel like these are the sort of discussions that other people who play games a lot really enjoy. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, it every time I hang out with my friends, it's always, you know, <clears throat> what we're playing, right? Yeah. So and it's the same thing with you guys, even like in our chat groups and stuff, it's you know, what you've been playing, Arnie, what Yakuza game Mas has been playing, <laughs> and so on and so forth. It's funny because it's true. Yeah. And so with that, I think I want to start with Masa first because I haven't heard from him in so long that I am genuinely curious about what he's been playing. So Masa, what have you been playing lately? I I even forgot that he's a host listening to the recent (laughs) podcasts of yours. (laughs) Well, since we already kind of like, you know, name dropped Yakuza and stuff, maybe we should start with Jot's Eyes. Oh, nice. Oh, here we go. Yeah, um, so a couple of months ago, I actually imported a Japanese copy of the game, uh, mainly due to the whole scandal that happened. Yes. Um, can, can you fill okay. me in? I didn't, I don't think I have heard about this. Okay, so what happened is that the main villain in Judd's Eyes, well, okay, so let's, I'm gonna explain what Judd's Eyes is, but yeah, Judd's Eyes is the, the latest game by Ryoka Kotoku Studio, which is the, Sega studio making all the uh, Yakuza games, basically. Yeah. And uh, in the West, um, the game is called Judgment, and it's coming out in June, actually, so very soon, like in a month and a half. Um, but yeah, anyways, what happened to the Japanese, like what happened in Japan was that the game actually came out in December. It sold fairly well, like uh, a bit over, I don't know, 200,000 copies. But then I think it was um, in February, maybe late February or March. Kind of forgetting my months now. But yeah, anyways, so the main villain uh, is actually played or was played by a um, guy called Beer Taki, um, who's actually a, he's like a variety talent in Japan um, with a very long career like a 30 year long career and he say he's done you know he's got a band he does stand up comedy and uh, all kinds of like variety and stuff um but yeah what happened to him was that he got caught with a little bit of nose candy mm. which you would think that's <laughs> fitting because he's you know playing a fucking yakuza boss in that game um <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about Japan is that when it comes to drugs or illegal drugs, they don't fuck around. And shortly after Taki's arrest, but they also, like Japan, like they really don't fuck around because they actually, like, they even erase your, like, past. Yeah. So, for example, in Kingdom Hearts 3, he's voicing uh, one of the characters and he's been replaced. Like, um, so the, did they, his voice was sorry, did, patched out? Yeah, yeah like the, I, I think they re-record the lines with some new actor, and then they they sort of yeah. release. The, I don't know if they patch the game and just replace it, or if they release new versions of the game with another voice actor. I don't know how that works. 
Whoa. Um, yeah, there's no new, like, re-release, like a physical re-release yeah. yet, at least. Um, but yeah, the game got pulled off the shelves right away, which actually, I mean, obviously, like, what happened after that was that for the first time in a few months, the game actually returned to the Japanese, like, sales charts. And yeah, I mean, now it's gone. And on eBay, it's all of a sudden um, a very sought-after game. Well, yeah, you got to get the original release with the original yeah, exactly. voice actor on it. So it's yeah. like six hundred dollars or whatever, <laughs> whatever they're yeah, wanting to charge. Yeah, for I now. mean, but but like that's the thing about it. like even like I mean, I've been able to play the game with beer talking in it, but I know that maybe in the future, like if I I do believe that I have like automatic updates on on my PS4. Yeah. So, I mean, one day, like, that dude is just going to disappear and it's going to be replaced, which was already, like, shown. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the Western game, like, in the West, the game is still coming out in June. So what they did was that they actually um, got a new new voice actor, obviously not for um, the English dub, but uh, the Japanese actor is, of course, now new. Yeah. And... They replaced his face basically in the game. Yeah. Well, that's, I remember people crazy. even. Yeah, I remember people being concerned that it wouldn't even come out in the states after this all happened. Like people were freaking yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, like the yeah, like the localization team. Like they they didn't know what was going to happen. Like and like judge uh, judgment is like Sega is giving the game quite a big push because they are even adding mm-hmm. like the English audio to that game, which they haven't done with Yakuza title since, well, the first that was on, um, on PS2. Because originally, um, like, I, I mean, of course I collect Yakuza related games and originally I was a bit like, well, I, I'm just gonna, you know, pick up just size ones. It's cheap. Uh, but I mean, of course, this happened, and then I panicked, and I went on eBay, and he's like, "Buy it now." <laughs> um, does the does the Japanese release have English subtitles? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. So that's the funny part. Like, okay, I'm not super far into the game, and that's for the reason that okay, I know a little bit of Japanese. Yeah. Um, not enough to actually play like an <laughs> RPG. And also, there's no English guides for that game. Mm. Uh, like, for example, there's Yakuza Ishin, which is the historical Yakuza spin-off game. And there's an amazing guide for that one. And also, all the cutscenes uh, have been translated. Like, there's uh, translated videos on YouTube. Like, that, that's a game, like an import game, that you can totally play without you know, knowing Japanese. But yeah. here, what I'm actually doing is that I have a guide in Japanese and then it's Google translated. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so. as we all know, is is perfect one-to-one translation. No yes, exactly. grammatical errors, no syntax problems with that. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's not even, I mean, it's kind of like a very, like a traditional guide mm-hmm. so that it doesn't really, like it tells you what to do but it doesn't mention what what's actually happening in the story. Oh, so gotcha. I'm like I'm playing the game, you know, like I know what to do, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I I do know the main story, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's because it, it's it's a bit different than um. Okay, so it is very much like Yakuza. It's using the Dragon Engine. That was used in um, Kiwami 2 and Yakuza 6. Yeah. 
Uh, it takes place in Kamurocho. It doesn't have any like returning characters, uh, but it, it is set in the same like Yakuza universe. Okay. Still. And it feels a lot like, I mean, it's a Yakuza game, um, but they have added some elements since the guy who you are uh, playing as is actually like a private detective. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Detective Pikachu. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it does like, yeah, sure, you, you know, you get to punch motherfuckers in the face every once in a while. The action is, the battle system is still, or the fighting system is still, Fairly similar. Um, there's some like new kind of moves. Um, and the character himself feels different compared to like any Yakuza characters. Uh, but yeah, the unique aspect of the game is that, yeah, since you are playing as a detective, you do have lots of like tailing. Um, you get to go through evidence. Um, and I know I haven't made like far enough, but I know that there's actually like some courtroom action. Oh, nice. It's, just, it's a shame cool. that Aussie isn't here. Objection! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that actually sounds really, really appealing to me because I, I was, I was kind that. of yeah. afraid when they first announced it that it was sort of going to be like Yakuza, but you play as like a cop. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like they were just going to essentially keep all the same stuff, but be like, you're not a, a Yakuza. And I was like, eh, that's, I don't know. That sounds fun. It wouldn't work. Because Yakuza is fun, but I like that they're sort of integrating like a whole bunch of new mechanics that like they're putting their spin on. Yeah. Like it feels like, like to me as a Yakuza fan, like it feels like, I don't know, it feels like home. But it kind of feels like a new home, kind of. Like, yeah. like it's familiar, but there's like enough new stuff that is like fresh. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm definitely like looking forward to the Western release. I'm not sure if I'm actually gonna, uh, finish the Japanese version. Because yeah, yeah uh, having to use the Google Translate <laughs> guide makes everything a bit slower. Yeah. <laughs> But, but that's good. And so, also, like the since I know that the release of the game is only you know a month and a half away, so I might, I, I will probably still play it for a bit. But mm-hmm. I, I think like the story is interesting, so I, I think I might just uh, wait for the full game or, or the Western release. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, I'm glad that this it's it was just so crazy when it happened because I think a lot like a lot of people were surprised at the lengths that Japan has gone to to sort of scrub this guy from history, essentially. It's remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. so... Even like, like, he also, he was actually starring in a morning, like, drama. Uh, in Japan, uh, they always have, like, these, like, super popular, like, morning dramas. Yeah. And that show canceled. Oh, my All God. All the CDs of his band. Oh, my God. God. Just because Man, of some they didn't even bums. write him off the show. Yeah, like, yeah, he basically doesn't even exist. Like the entertainer doesn't exist. Like I mean, I'm sure that I'm not sure. Like he's probably gonna get uh, some kind of jail sentence. Um, yeah, but I mean, even after that, like he's not gonna come back. Well, and that's and that's the thing that I think sort of freaked people out about the game because it, when you see this stuff, it becomes very clear because I'm assuming all this stuff that he was doing was making money. And so, like, 
the fact that they're so willing to be like, well, we have the show and it's probably like doing okay and it's probably making money, but we're just going to cancel it right out. You know, it wouldn't be that much of a leap for them to be like, well, we're just not going to release this game anymore. You know what I mean? Or at least like yeah, delay exactly. it severely. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is insane because that would never happen here. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I was just thinking about it today. I was like, uh, so like, Fun fact, I'm a big rap fan. And then it made me, like, this whole um beer talking case made me think about it. I was like, yeah, holy shit, like, rap music wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> if, At all. <laughs> if it was, like, in, in Japan. No. You think of all or maybe the, we like, have, like, Christian rap, but that's about it. You think of, like, even, like, sports wouldn't exist. Like, you think of every, like, athlete who's ever been involved in, like, yeah, any sort like, of... Say, say goodbye to John Jones. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, John Jones, like, even, even like, in the 80s, the NBA. Yeah. Because, I mean, the 80s was, like, the golden age of cocaine, right? Like Absolutely. And, and basketball players, so many careers ruined because of it. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's interesting. Uh, on the one hand, I admire the sort of dedication to sort that one philosophy but on the other hand the insanity of sort of erasing somebody's entire career over pretty much anything is is crazy to me like that they would go to those lengths but you know it is what it is like culturally i guess that's what their their situation is like but yeah, yeah. they just shut their eyes it's like if you walk on the streets in japan and somebody if the streets are so narrow, that's a fact, actually. It's a fun fact. If you, if you walk on the, on the uh, pedestrian, on the sideway, sidewalk, and, mm-hmm. um, there's so many people that you cannot, um, dodge somebody or evade hitting into somebody. That person who is walking towards you will see that too. Because, you know, you've got your eyes in your head. You look forward and yeah. you see, okay, I'm going to bump into this person because I can't go someplace else. It's just too crowded. Then they just look away, bump into each other, and go on walking <laughs> without saying sorry or anything. They just pretend it didn't happen. That's a fact. That's what they do in the streets. And that's, it's, that it's weird. That's like Finland. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless the people are drunk, then, you know, they will start throwing insults, but if they're sober, <laughs> then, yeah. That's like the opposite of Canada, let me tell you. Canada, <laughs> like, we cannot apologize fast enough. Like, for, for the lightest touch, that. it's like, oh, sorry, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. And then you hog at the end. Yeah, and then we sing, oh, Canada, the national anthem, <laughs> and we move on with our day. I love that. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's that's crazy. But um what else have you been playing, Moss? I'm assuming besides Judge Eyes, you've been playing something else. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm a big JRPG fan. But I almost you don't, you don't say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I almost never actually like replay JRPGs because they're long as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, dude. There's like, so many I want to replay, games, but like, like yeah, yeah, one playthrough is like 120 hours. Like, who has time to play a game like that multiple times? Um, but what happened to me was that Trails of Cold Steel, one of my favorite, um, like one of my personal favorites. I, like, I wouldn't call that game like a, I don't know, like a universal, um, JRPG classic, but yeah. it's one of my, like, personal favorites. Um, 
But yeah, it recently came out on the PS4. Of course, I had to pick it up. But what's great about the PS4 uh, remaster is that there's actually safe transfer. If you have played the game on the Vita yeah. or the PS3, you can transfer your safe to the uh, PS4 game. And that's what I did. Like I finally um, did the new Game Plus run, mm-hmm. which was considerably um, sh- um, shorter than my like the first playthrough that I yeah. had. <laughs> it still took like I don't know, maybe like sixty hours. Because mm-hmm. um, it's also great that I mean, obviously, like if you are doing a new Game Plus and then you get to you know carry over or all your items and levels and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like, I was, like, OP for the maturity of the game. And then <laughs> wh- what is also great is that they, like, from the PC version, they added the turbo mode. So it makes um the game, like, I think it's, like, twice as fast. And then the fights are, I think, like, four times faster. Oh, wow. So, oh. yeah. So, yeah, you can just, like, cruise through the game. Yeah. And I have to say, um, okay, so the main reason why, you know, I ended up playing it again is that, okay, so the uh, remaster for Trace of Cold Steel 2 is coming out mm-hmm. next month. And then yep. later this year, there's going to be Trace of uh, Cold Steel 3. Yes. It's like finally coming out and I still can't believe it. Um, so my plan, which will probably fail, is to play through all... Um, like all the related games in the mm. Legend of Heroes series. Oh God! Oh boy, dude, that's <laughs> have, that's a hundred percent failure rate. Have yeah. fun with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not gonna happen <laughs> unless you quit your job. Is that the yeah. personal stuff that you were talking about earlier? The the real life issues, like you quit your job because you have to play all the Legend of Heroes games. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. <laughs> that's an accurate assessment. And yeah, it's interesting because I recently played through uh, Cold Steel One because you recommend it to me and i really enjoyed it so when i saw that they were having the ps4 remake i was like one ouch because i would have preferred to play it on ps4 if i had the (laughs) the option but also i'm very happy that they do the save transfer like i feel like if you're remaking a game especially if it's a jrpg on a different console you have to have save transfers it should be mandatory because absolutely asking asking people to rebuy a game they've already bought is you know it's it's harsh, but like people do it because they want to support and people are fans and they want to see the new content and whatnot. But asking somebody to replay a hundred hour RPG again is is insane. So the fact that they give you that option, I think, is is really cool. And I wanted to know, like, because I'm interested in getting it myself. Like, if you've already played through Cold Steel, is it worth getting the re- the remaster just to play through it again? Is there like extra content or? Okay, so there is zero extra. Co- oh, well, okay, so I'm I'm lying a bit. Um, like technically, there's mm. no extra, like new extra content, like no new, you know, dungeons or enemies or characters. Yeah. Um, but they did have, like, they do have, like the, um, like when Exit, like when they released the PS, uh, not PS, but PC ports for mm. um, Cold Steel One and Two. They voiced a lot of lines, uh, which weren't voiced originally. Okay. Uh, cause you know how in that game you often have these scenes where you have, I don't know, like half the scene might be voiced or half the characters in the scene might be voiced. Yeah. 
So the game has like 5,000 like newly recorded voice lines. Um, but besides that, uh, no, there's like nothing really. I mean, the game is actually in 4K, which is yeah. nice. That's great. There's turbo mode and then the additional voice lines. But that's it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would say that since you can do save transfers and there is a turbo mode, I, I would say that's probably worth it for me just to be able to to do the New Game Plus run. Because the thing about New Game Plus runs for me is that once I've gone through all that with a JRPG, I most of the time I don't want to look at it again ever. Because it's just like you spend so much time with it and you become so involved with it that you're just kind of like mentally exhausted by the end of it. But if I can play it again and pretty much double the speed like that's kind of appealing to me but uh yeah so we're gonna take a small break and then we'll be back with strilly's game I'm gonna I'm gonna defer now to our very special guest Dennis. Dennis, we don't get to talk to you nearly enough, so I'm very excited to know what you've been playing lately. Yeah, me too. What I have been playing, apart from some handheld games, which I don't really need to mention. Maybe the the f- most fun one was the Rub Rabbits, which I have posted on my Instagram too. It's oh, nice. this oh. this super weird and funny. <laughs> mini game uh, title on okay, the Nintendo I'm, I'm gonna DS. I'm going to stalk you on Instagram right now because I have <laughs> no idea what game you're talking about. Oh, okay. I, uh, I do. And when I was in Toronto, uh, last time I was there, I went to a game store and I saw it there and I remembered what you said, Dennis. And if it wasn't for, oh my God, this is going to sound awful. Maybe, but <laughs> if it wasn't for, <laughs> if it wasn't for all the water damage on the back of the box, I would have bought it immediately. Eh. I I I I don't think that's awful. Okay, but I do okay, I do think this is going to sound awful. Maybe is a good tagline for this entire show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I saw I saw the front of the box yeah. and I was like I was all hyped, right? And it was cheap too. And then I I turned it around and I was like, oh, okay, now I yeah. get it. Um, it was cheap, dude. It was like fifteen Canadian dollars, so like a euro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what I did want to ask, so is it like a mini game collection? Cause I'm also not familiar with, with this game. Yeah. It's just mini games. It's every le- level is one oh, mini cool. game. That's like, it's, it's maybe, it, it feels a little bit like a, uh, WarioWare game, but I was about to ask yeah. you if it was kind of like way, is that game by Sega. Yes. Cause yeah, I think there's another like rubbing game. Yeah. It's yeah, the it's, Rub Rabbits. Oh, is Project the Rub. Yeah. Exactly. Project Rub or, um, Oh, um, what's feel the, the magic X, feel, X, thank X, you, X, Y. Thank you oh my God. Yeah. I do know this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have American seen that title. game at GameStop, but I was a bit like, 
okay, since I don't want to be known as the guy who plays like questionable games, I'm, I'm not going to pick that game up. You, Masa, you play way more questionable games than that. <laughs> it no looks and, and seems There's very... There's no evidence of that. <laughs> I, I just I assume that. I play wholesome family games and punch motherfuckers in the game. In the game. <laughs> in, the game. <laughs> in the face, in the Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well it's a fun title i mean the the juxtaposition of the guy who wants to get the girl and who mm-hmm. he has to do stupid stuff to impress her that's basically everything there is to it it's it's not that lewd it's actually it's just ridiculous and funny what he has yeah. to do and it's just it's so ridiculous and it make made me laugh not like out loud but it made me made me smile a couple times while playing <laughs> on on the train ride to work and it's it's a short title it's it's fun and it's really creative in the use of the touchscreen on the DS so that yeah. was that was kind of fun i can re- recommend this game to anybody who wants to have some short quick fun on the Nintendo DS maybe if you're not playing your DS anymore a lot pop in rub rabbits or feel the magic xxxy aka project rub put the DS like on the on the shelf next to your toilet and play one mini game each time you're on the loop. <laughs> so that's that's See, like that's yeah, a good game I feel for like that. A game called like Project Rob is the is the best toilet <laughs> kind of game. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I, to- it's it's weird because I I now remember when uh when Paul said <laughs> feel the magic XXXY, I was like <laughs> I do know what this is now and. It's it's really weird because I feel like that was one of those games. I could be wrong, but I feel like was that like a earlier DS title? I feel like yes. those were yeah. And so that that sort of era in like the first year or two of the DS was always very weird for me because I feel like what people m- remember the most is just like all these games that came out that really try to like shoehorn in. Uh, touch controls and like blowing into your DS and like making noise yeah. and stuff like that that have not like I don't even want to say they didn't age well because I feel like they were sort of dead on arrival like when they came <laughs> out they weren't they weren't good but there were like in that sort of malaise of like all these touchscreen games there were like a few games that made like really interesting use of the touchscreen and like the touch True. controls. Yes. And I feel like they get lost in the shuffle a lot. So I'm glad to know that that's one that like is worth checking out. Yeah. I absolutely second that. And uh, that's, that's what I would say about this title. Definitely. Yeah. It's so, it's so fun. And if you're into ridiculous Japanese kind of fun, <laughs> Uh, the music and the sound effects oh boy really guys you gotta try those they are really really funny and um and memorable so i know you would dig those nice well i also feel like we kind of railroaded you into talking about this game you're gonna talk about a different one and then you mentioned this one offhand and we just went off on it so it's what actually was the other true one you mention? yeah it's, it's true i was gonna i wasn't gonna talk about this but it kind of it's okay well what I, of course, have been playing since its release in February, or was it end of January, even, mm-hmm. I believe, was, of course, the Resident Evil 2 remake. Yes, of I've been course. wanting to get your thoughts on this, because we had you on our Resident <laughs> Evil episode, so, of course, but I wait, need you to talk about this. quite a short game? Mm, well, if you're really good at it, then you can finish <laughs> one run in a couple of hours, like in, yeah. in two, three, three to four hours. And you have been playing since January. 
Yes, but I've only made my first uh, playthrough and I just started my second playthrough. Yeah, so okay. and there's, that, that's, that's the limit amount of time I have right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know, right? And even <laughs> sounds a little you, bit judgmental. There is really need to get a Switch. <laughs> like, there's going to be a bunch of Resident Evil games releasing on the Switch very soon. So you, you really need to get a Switch, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, uh, also, if you're listening to this podcast, like, you need to hire me. <laughs> yes, and you need to send Strilly Vanilla Switch. Yes. Yeah, that as well, yeah. yeah. I'm Nintendo, glad the show please. exists to make demands of Nintendo. Get, get your shit together, Nintendo. <laughs> Send out some free Switches to your favorite Resident Evil fans, which is not even your franchise. Yes, so I have been playing Resident Evil 2, and it's really amazing. It's a remake, well done. It's... um. It's just right along the lines of the of the first Resident Evil remake that mm. was released on the GameCube back in the day, and it's really it's exactly quality wise, it's exactly the same kind of level. So okay. it mm-hmm. looks amazing. It has the Resident Evil engine um, that they the, it's it's called RE engine, I think, um, mm. the one that they used for Resident Evil Seven. Or that they made specifically for Resident Evil 7 and which they also used in Devil May Cry 5 recently. And it looks fantastic. It absolutely looks fantastic. Water, light, shadows, shaders, particles. It's really incredible. And it's, it looks really realistic. And, uh, for the purpose of the gory and, and bloody, um, nature of Resident Evil 2, it's perfect. Yeah. So and Leon's hair looks amazing. Oh yeah, he looks, oh boy, he looks like a boy band leader. It's amazing. Even more so than in the original. <laughs> no, he's great. Leon is great. Claire is great. Ada is great. Um, of course, as in the original, there are four main playthroughs. If you, yep. if you count them all, it's Leon A, Leon B, and Claire A, Claire B. So if you finish the first A scenario of any character that you want to start your game first with, you unlock the B scenario of the other character. That said, I played through Leon's A scenario first, and now mm. I started Claire's B scenario. The B scenarios are a little bit differ- different, so they kind of um, put the spotlight on the other person's perspective. Okay. And oh. if you then switch around, like if I were now to start the game with Claire's A scenario, it would be fairly similar to Leon's A scenario. So okay. I guess uh, having the limited amount of time to game, I will stop after finishing the Claire B scenario because I know the rest is just going to be kind of the same, just with the other person. With but, a different person. Uh, yeah. Dennis, I yeah. have a question for you. Please. Um, okay, so I know that Resident Evil 2, like the remake, it has gotten amazing reviews. It's probably like um, an amazing game as well. Like, I mean, you already said that it's amazing. But would you recommend that game to someone who isn't really into the horror genre? No, I wouldn't, because it's really <laughs> creepy. It's it's proper creepy. I played it. <laughs> I play, <laughs> the thing is this. So I played this um, with Johan in the living room, like s- sleeping or playing uh, something in his crib or, or anything. And like, I don't know, 15 minutes into the game, my wife was like, Dennis, can you maybe play this with headphones? <laughs> because like, of all the, you know, 
head splattering <laughs> and zombie groaning and I was like yeah you're pretty right I shouldn't be you know Johan shouldn't be in this audio environment so from that point on I played the game with headphones but most of the time or sometimes at least uh, Sarah was sitting next to me on the couch doing something else and um, so I only played it with one earbud in my in my ears and so I didn't even have the full stereo effect. Yeah, gotta love that mono audio. <laughs> yeah, gotta, gotta be old school. And the fact is, when then, for example, Sarah went to bed and I went on playing the game, I could pop in the second earbud and it got 10, 10 times creepier just by yeah. the full stereo effect. So if yeah. you're not into horror games, this one's probably not for you. Uh, I, I it's really am a... I am a self-professed coward, and so I, I have not gotten this game because these are too much for me. Like, I cannot handle, and especially now, in like, like if the pixelated liquors, like, scared the shit out of me, I know the, like, 4K HD ones are definitely going to scare the shit out of me. Yeah, I gotta admit, like, the, the reason why I asked that question is that I'm not a coward myself, but I was asking for a friend who happens to be Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> That's very thoughtful of you. Yeah. yeah. Although you know, called us his, uh, called us his, his name, so it's you know, <laughs> well, kind of obsolete. Um, no, the, so, the fact is, I think um, the the camera perspective is different. It's an over the shoulder camera, like in Resident Evil Four. Yeah, it's um, not fixed anymore, and it's not the fixed kind of camera, which makes up for a lot of scary atmosphere because you always entered a room in the original Resident Evils with the fixed camera and you didn't know what was behind the camera mm-hmm. especially if it was facing your character and then if you heard something you didn't dare to move an inch forward or behind <laughs> peep behind the camera for it to switch angles because you could then face a zombie like 10 centimeters from you yeah, that is that, that is a thing that we talked about in the Resident Evil episode, how like when they had fixed camera angles, they could make you look at whatever they wanted you to look at. So yeah. it was I feel like it was much more effective in sort of setting up scares that the it developers was. wanted you to experience. Exactly. And the point that you just said, Arnie, that, that the liquors now being in HD and fully rendered and everything super creepy and gross. I didn't really see the first appearance of the liquor because he uh. kind of, I don't know, he jumped out of the, of the ceiling or something. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at, I don't know, some <laughs> item in the corner and I just heard something and turned around and then he jumped right at me, which was scary enough already. But I didn't really get the full effect of me walking down that, um, that room. Yeah. And seeing the liquor fall out of the ceiling or something. So yeah. I think with a fixed camera, this would have been even creepier. Yeah. And Still, then I've seen, I've seen the, the videos of people getting chased around by Mr. X and oh also boy, a, a hard him. pass on that for me. <laughs> I hate him so much, but you can really, you can kind of avoid him well once mm-hmm. you overcome your fear of him. If yeah. you don't see him as a threat because you can't beat him anyways, you just mm-hmm. have to run. And then it's just sometimes he's a nuisance. He's just annoying. And sometimes you can just ri- run right past him or out, outsmart him. Like mm-hmm. you, you um, lead him one way and then you turn around and walk around a table or something. And then you, you get the advantage of, of this 
like way that you run and I don't yeah. know. It's but is he one of those enemies that's gonna you know pop up like no matter what, or is it like one of those kind of enemies that like if you just like stand in the same place for you know long enough, then he's gonna kind of like force you to move. Uh, no, he's he's the nemesis kind of uh, character, yeah. like oh, in Resident okay. Evil Three. Right, right. Nemesis, he just sometimes he just comes. Although that's not exactly true. In Resident Evil Three, Nemesis was scripted when when he yeah. showed up, as far as I remember, he was perfectly scripted. In Resident Evil Two, the remake, uh, Mister X or AKA the Tyrant, um, he is he at some point he just is there, and then you outrun him, go hide find another place to go and then either way if you're unlucky then he comes chasing after you and if you're lucky he'll just stay away for a couple minutes um so it, it's rather random and that's mm-hmm. the reason why at some point it was just annoying because like i entered the room i know i needed an item from that room or i need to do something in that room and then I yeah. heard Mr. X and I thought, oh, <laughs> fudge, yeah, you got to run away from him now. And you're going to run far away to for him to not follow you anymore. And then at some point when you are far enough and you go, okay, good, he's gone. But I'm going to yeah. have to go back to that room now. And then and hope that he's it, not there. Yeah, or on the way there. So and that, that do the might enemies be respawn in that game? Uh, no, not always. No. Okay. Like sometimes, uh, you you go someplace, kill enemies, and then you trigger maybe a cutscene or something, or some okay. trigger a boss fight. And after that, when you re-enter areas that you have already been, then sometimes new enemies can emerge, which okay. uh, but they don't respawn. Um, right, right. That that couldn't work out because you have so limited amounts of um, of ammo. ammo. Yeah. Exactly. So And you have to backtrack and stuff. Yes. And um that's actually I think what the remake made really well was the fear of not having enough supplies, mm-hmm. which is exactly the thing that a good survival horror game needs to evoke in you. This yeah. kind of fear yes. that you you look into your revolver um and you see okay, I've got four more bullets. How far can I get with that? Yeah. And that makes you makes you wet your pants because you know behind the next door there could be a liquor or something worse. Yeah, so that's it's, pretty it's cool. It's the um, it's sort of the the opposite of what Silent Hill does, and that Silent Hill doesn't give you anything, and so you're always vulnerable. You're always sort of exposed. But Resident Evil, the, I think the balance they're always trying to do is like give you enough that you can succeed, but give you not so much that you don't feel like nothing is a threat to you anymore. Right. So, very well done, Capcom. Thank you very much. It's got a great replay value with all the unlockables, collectibles, extra modes, um, harder difficulties, uh, four different scenarios with endings and stuff. It's really, really great. I wonder yeah, if they'll do... I haven't do... heard a bad word about it at all. Yeah, yeah. me neither. I was me wondering neither. if they if they'll do a VR version of it like they did for Resident Evil 7. Um, I don't believe they will because it would, it would require <laughs> quite the reworking yeah, on, would. on the gameplay part, on the game mechanics part. So I, I yeah. can't, I can't th- seem to think of a way that they would do that. 
you know, without having to rework too much. Yeah. And it's so the question like- is when they do the next Resident Evil game, are they going to do it like seven or are they going to do it like the two remake? Right. I feel like they they've both to- been very successful. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like they're they they would do it like seven because I feel like I, Resident Evil Two remake was was has been very successful. But I feel like most of the game mechanics from that were just lifted from Resident Evil Two, and I feel like they've sort of started moving away from that style of Resident Evil to you know they they sort of had that style of Resident Evil for a while. Then four came along and changed a whole bunch of things. And then I think with seven, they went back to, you know, a more horror centric approach. Well, yeah. And plus it's VR friendly too. With yeah. That, you know, with the first person perspective <laughs> and so on. Yeah. By the yeah, way, I mean, now that the uh, remake is out, um, like is the remake so good that it makes the original game like completely obsolete? Well, I'm going to have to say yes in regards to <laughs> if you're a player who doesn't really enjoy older games. If you say, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like the graphics, it doesn't, uh, it didn't age well, or I don't like the pixelated models and so on, then I say, yeah, the remake is good enough for you to experience what Resident Evil um, embodies, or Resident Evil 2, Um but of course, for me as a nostalgic person, Resident Evil 2, the original, can never be replaced because yeah. it's the thing and the reason why I fell in love with this game in the first place. And if Resident Evil 2 came out nowadays, it would be a good game, of course. But um, the the positive feeling I have or had playing this, of course, stems from the nostalgic feelings that I had playing the, the original. Mm-hmm. So, um, for, for the nostalgic ones and the collectors, um, the, the new remake is great because it's a cool revisiting of the game, but it doesn't replace it. But if you're a young, youngster who doesn't play PlayStation 1 games anymore, anyways, then go ahead, play the remake. Nice. Yep. Um, anything else that you've been playing outside of Resident Evil 2? Yep, I've been play, playing a lot with my wife, so if she's not sitting next to me watching me play something, or she usually doesn't, she even reads a book or something, but um, <laughs> if she if she's next to me and we want to play something together, then it's basically, everybody who knows my Instagram knows what I'm going to say right now, Yep, Overcooked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I have so, been, so this game, very quickly, just came yeah. out on, on PS Plus, this is one of the free games, and I downloaded it. And I've been very interested in playing it because (laughs) you've been talking about it so much. My question is, I am chronically alone. And so I'm (laughs) (laughs) what I've been wondering is, is this game worth playing single player or is the sort of experience best done with somebody else? The latter. Okay. Definitely. Because it's not even. It's not even playable single no, player, I, I would say. No, it, is, it is. It's just super like, boring. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's just pointless. Yeah. Yeah, like, I gotta say, I've been really curious about that game because it's it's been, like, one of those, like, big, like, Swiss indie, indie titles. Yeah. But I think I love my girlfriend too much to play that <laughs> game with her. Because I have heard that that is one of those, like, relationship ruiner games. 
It oh, is. It totally let me, is. Let, let me tell you something about that. I was gonna go <laughs> on about this this specific part of that game, anyways. Mm. So um, here is the thing: overcooked is yes, it, it it is very dangerous for friendships or relationships if you play this co-op because you're gonna end up screaming at each other, yelling at each other all the time because, <laughs> of course, your tactic is gonna be the best one, and if if the other one you're playing with is going to screw that tactic, you're going to yell at each other. Yeah. A quick but, note for, for people who don't know what Overcooked oh, yeah, is. Maybe you're basically say that running a, a restaurant, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, you're basically, you're a chef in a restaurant, mm-hmm. and um, you prepare food. You get your orders in. It's like a top-down game. Um, yeah. You get your orders in. Uh, each level has different kinds of recipe styles. So mm-hmm. let's say um, you've got soup. In this level, then yeah. you get your you get your order in for for example for tomato soup. That means um, the order uh, comes in in a in a small like um, item uh, box or a a not no item box totally the wrong word like receipt in the top left corner of mm-hmm. the of the screen, and um, the receipt says tomato soup, and then it says the ingredients like three okay. tomatoes. Okay, you take the tomato, chop it up in pieces. And then throw it into the pot. Once it's cooked, or all three tomatoes are cooked, then you put it on a plate, bring it out. Um, you serve it. There's some kind of uh, assembly line <laughs> you put the food onto, and then it goes out to the waiter who delivers it, so to say. Yeah. So, and so you um, have to work together to like accomplish each step of that process. Yeah, or you can say, you're only doing those kinds of re- recipes, I'm doing these, or okay. uh, I'm going to do the cooking part, and you're going to serve the food... Uh, wash the dishes and I don't know, throw new logs into the campfire or something, or blow, um, blow the barbecue. So you, you have this air blow thing and then mm-hmm. you can heat up the barbecue fire. So there are different other steps that you have to take sometimes in order for everything to work out. Yeah, that seems very it. stressful to me already. Yeah, just in hearing you describe it. <laughs> It yeah, is. I'm like, I definitely don't want to play that game with, like, any person that I actually <laughs> like. <laughs> um, the the fact is, it, it can be super stressful, but um, if you take your time in each level, and we have managed to um, do this mm-hmm. very late in our playing cycle, like, we finished the first game, and halfway through the second game, we started doing the following. We entered a new level, and then we just checked out the whole scene. Where are the ingredients? What kinds of recipes are coming in? So what dishes are we have to, uh, are we going to have to make? Um, mm-hmm. where is the assembly line? What is, where are the obstacles? Because there are, each level has some kind of, um, some kind of obstacle scheme. So sometimes, um, the, the whole level moves and things, uh, like the counters that you work on, that you can chop your food on or that you can cook on the, the, the stoves, they, they move uh, around the area. And then sometimes you just can't reach them anymore and your body only reaches them. So you have to switch your jobs. If you, if you talk about who does what first, then the whole scenery, the level design changes all of a sudden. And then the other person has to do that. So that's stressful. Or sometimes there's some kind of fire spurting device dropping flames somewhere and then you <laughs> yeah. can you cannot move 
um, through a certain lane or part of the level because you have to dis extinguish the fire first. So it's crazy. And then if you if you enter a level and think about a strategy that you want to uh, use in this level, then you restart and go on about that. That kind of works out pretty well. So if you just go in and stress out like headless chickens, then it doesn't work. I feel like it doesn't work, but it's <laughs> it doesn't work, but it's a lot of fun though. I, I do That's like true. the headless chicken aspect of it, yeah. <laughs> where we just go in and try to kind of organically <laughs> figure it out. It like I mean, don't get me wrong, it often ends in disaster, but it's hilarious. It is. It's it's a fun game, especially with at least two people. If it's three or four, it's even more chaotic, but it's also more fun. Oh, you can do yeah, it up to I, four. I would recommend. Yes. Pardon? Oh, okay. I I thought it was ex like two was max is what I thought. No, four people is max. And the fact is, the first Overcooked doesn't have online multiplayer, but the second one does. Okay. So the first one is yeah, just the, uh, local co-op, like on all platforms. Oh, I don't know. You mean uh, crossplay between Switch and PS4, for example? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that actually. Hmm. No, I think Sony well, yeah, definitely not frowns on PS4 that. Because, you, know, <laughs> you know, Sony and all that. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, just your description of it is already, like, giving me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, though. And it's, it's so good. And and I agree with Dennis. Like, you want at least two other people to yeah. really, to, like, really fully get the experience of it. Mm. It's really, like, I mean, it's really kind of the essence of couch you know, co-op and video game fun with friends. Cause like it does the thing. So it does the thing that board games do, which is it forces you to talk. Yeah. Right. Yes. Very often, very often you're playing a game. Like I remember a long time ago when, uh, when Diablo three, I don't know, some kind of expansion or something mm -hmm. came out and, uh, and I was at a buddy's place and he was playing with two other guys and I was watching Netflix and it wasn't the most exciting night for me. And, so they're playing they're playing the Diablo expansion while I'm watching TV and all I hear is click 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 it's just the mouse just three mouses click 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 and it was like this for hours hours and every once in a while like maybe every 20 minutes or something one of them would be like oh that was good and then click 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 so the and I mean, sure, I guess it's kind of fun if you, you know, like addictive gameplay, I, I guess. But like Overcooked, I think, is just way more fun because you're forced to interact with the people that you're with. Yeah. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and I was going to say, like, it's I, it seems stressful, but it also like I agree with you, Paul. I think that that sort of stuff can be very entertaining. I mean, hilarity ensues when like things are not going well so i could very easily like see like doing very well on a level only to like have it all like be destroyed right towards the end and be oh, yeah. like you and know sort of yelling at each other the and, like the hectic nature of like trying to like save a sinking ship yeah that happens all the time because like you have to reach a certain amount of points uh, mm -hmm. to uh, gain three stars. There are three possible stars, and once okay. you beat the game in every uh, every uh, level with three stars, then you unlock a fourth star, which is oh, super God. difficult to reach. We haven't done that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, to be honest, now that I found out that there's actually like online play, I'm I'm a bit um, 
curious about like um like how like should should the region free gamers oh do like God. a stream <laughs> or something? Oh, well I mean if oh, we want to never do the show again. <laughs> yeah, I was like that could be the last episode. I mean or that would be the last episode. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> you would Not watch because I would want to watch, watch you go failure. down. <laughs> no, it's it that will be fun. You should try that. Maybe don't stream it though. <laughs> Too many curse words. Then people oh, privately man, be, wonder why the show just ended after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't released anything in like a year. What happened? <laughs> what happened to those? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write Paul. Hey, Paul, why haven't you been in touch with the other guys? No response. <laughs> <laughs> that tomato Ooh. soup. That tomato yeah. soup. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really it's it's very fun, and we played through all of the DLC content, which include new level um, sceneries, so to say. Mm-hmm. So um, there is this surf and turf DLC for Overcooked Two, which adds up beaches as level uh, designs, nice. and you have. You can make smoothies, fruit smoothies, and you can make kebabs with um, different ingredients. Then there is the seasonal update, which uh, included Christmas levels. That was super fun. You had to make hot cocoa with marshmallows <laughs> and waffles. <laughs> that was amazing. And each download Dennis, content... Dennis, please stop. I'm getting hungry here. I'm already hungry. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to the cake my wife made yesterday. <laughs> See, here's what I what I love about doing episodes like this and having guests like you on, Dennis, is that on the one hand, you play Resident Evil 2 Remake, <laughs> which is like <laughs> insanely gory and like violent and scary. And then on the other hand, you talk about how much you love playing Overcooked 2 and making hot cocoa with marshmallows <laughs> well, it does. It does incorporate some sort of violence. It's verbal violence. <laughs> That's true. But, there is a bridge. You know, to, there is a bridge. Once I have my switch and you have me back on the episode, I will probably talk about how I play Resident Evil Eight and all the goriness of it. And afterwards, I'm going to talk about Animal Crossing on the Switch. Hey! <laughs> yeah. If they so ever announce the- anything about it. Yeah, announce anything like really hands on. They just announced yeah. something that they're gonna talk about in the but near see, future. If if Final Fantasy VII remake got an announcement, I have hope for Animal Crossing Switch. Yeah, me too. All right. Um. So I think that's pretty much it for for Dennis. Unless you have something else you want to touch on. Nope. Those are the games Rabbit. I have been playing. All right. Rabbit. And we're back. Paul, Boom. tell me what you've been playing. <laughs> Video games. I'm glad. I'm glad that we've uh, we've got no doubt now about whether we're back or not. Um, That's a very impactful return. Um, so yeah, last time we did this episode, I touched on Astrobot VR, the VR missions for uh, for the PSVR, and I just I gave it like two minutes. I was like, 
good game. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about it another time, right? Yes. Arnie, Dennis, Massa, that time is now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I'm actually, like, really looking forward to this because I also have Astrobot, and I also haven't played it in a while um, because it's not that I don't like the game. I think it's amazing, and it's it, it truly is like a groundbreaking platformer. But the whole hassle with the PSVR headset, like, <laughs> I just can't deal with it. I, you know, you have to, I have it set up in such a manner that the, the barrier to entry, so to speak, is quite low. Mm. Like, I've got it all hooked up, I've got it plugged in, and I've got the helmet off to the side on a table, and the wires are such that they are not in the way. So when I do want to play it, it's literally just picking it up, putting it on, and playing it yeah. and that's it that's right cool. yeah. and i think in order to get the most out of it that's kind of what one has to do the it's gonna sound silly but like just the act of plugging it in like that's an that's an additional barrier yeah and yeah, it it's one is. that yeah and but it sounds which sounds ridiculous right like we're not exactly bench pressing 300 pounds here you're literally plugging <laughs> in a cable but you know it's a barrier so the way I have it set up is so that I have as few barriers as possible. And then that way, when I do want to play a PSVR game, I'll just pick it up and play it. The The only thing that actually keeps me from playing it, and it's it's gotten better lately, but I told you guys, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show. Did we talk about Drive Club VR? We did uh-huh. briefly. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, Dennis, you may have heard this or you may have not. Um Ozzy convinced me to buy Drive Club VR for the PSVR, mm-hmm. and I did. It, it went on sale. You know, I cobbled together $10, and <laughs> I picked up Drive Club VR. Which is like one euro. Made, <laughs> pretty much, yeah, yeah. In Europe, they actually pay you to play it, <laughs> whereas in Canada, you still have to pay a little bit of money. So I put it. I put the helmet on, or the, the VR helmet on, and I played it. And I was like really nauseous within about 30 seconds yeah. of playing it. Like it was, it was horrendous. Um, so I took it off. I deleted it off the PS4. <laughs> you know, that's, that's one happy meal that I won't be able to buy because I spent the money on Drive Club. <laughs> Fair enough. But the long lasting effect of this is that now I'm like a dog that's been trained. Like, mm. Just just the act of putting the helmet on, my body's like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. And it starts getting sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have and the same so, thing, actually. Really? Yeah, okay, yeah for good, me, it's it really random. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do have the headset. I have a, a few games like um, Astro Bot, Tetris Effect. I have, uh, is it PSVR Worlds? Hmm. And I was like, Astro Bot hasn't made me feel sick, sick or nauseous or anything. Um, and even in, uh, like the VR worlds, like, you, yeah, you have a, like a few different, very short games. And I was fine for the most part, but then I played the bobsled game. And yeah, yeah that killed me. Yeah. And the other thing was that was really weird. Like, I was actually like watching some like VR videos on YouTube. And that was also like something that, like I, my, like my body just couldn't handle it. <laughs> just reacted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's like once you've been burned and you're near the fire, mm. like your body's yeah. like, no, thank you. And those are yeah, the worst games. Um, he has a tip for people who 
you know, who might have just gotten like a PSVR, like the moment you start feeling sick or sick or nauseous, like just stop using stop it. It's, it's not going to get better. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. You're not going to fight yeah. through it. You're gonna. You're gonna get knocked out. Well, for sure. and and those are the like games like Drive Club are always the worst because what co- like especially racing games in general. If you have like a full view and you can freely move the camera, like having something that in your head is moving so quickly, but your body is stationary, is like the key to immediately wanting to vomit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's the same much. with me. Exactly that way. If yeah. a VR game has me standing on one spot and I can do things and move my head, that's cool. But yeah. if my character is moving forward, it's gonna, uh, no, I'm, I'm gonna get sick. And so the thing about Astrobot mm-hmm. is that it mitigates all of this. Astrobot, like Masa said, it never made me feel sick at all. And the game does this. It, it's really, I don't know, man, it's pretty clever. Like, your character does move forward, like in Mario 64, for example, mm-hmm. right? But most of the action takes place within a stationary background. So your little robot will move around and he'll collect stuff and he'll jump on enemies and, you know, bop them and kill them and mm-hmm. so on. But most of that action takes place within a stationary area. Yeah. When you when you do move forward, it's very slow. It's very easy. So not once did I ever feel ill playing it. It was it was really good in that way. Yeah. And then on top of that, like it's just you can you can tell it's one of these games. It's got a lot of care put into it. Like the character designs are super cute. There's a lot of attention to detail, a lot of funny stuff. And it, there's a lot of like extra kind of VR, you know, involvement, mm-hmm. right? Like there are levels where you literally headbutt obstacles. So like <laughs> You know, you just, you move your head forward and then, pa, you hit something, which, awesome, right? Like, I didn't know for the past, you know, 30 years of playing video games that I wanted to headbutt something. Now I don't know how I lived without it. (laughs) Well, see, this is the thing, is that I've been seeing so many videos of people saying exactly what you're saying. Like, this is the game to get on PSVR. Like, this is the one game that sort of makes VR seem like a legitimate option for gaming in the future, like not just as a gimmick, but as like a part of the experience. And so I'm very curious to know like what it is about this game. Like I it's would just have very to different. agree with that. Um, but like, okay, so that wasn't the first VR game that I played. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I did, you know, try out like Tetris effect um, and some, some demos and VR worlds before that, but um, it, it's just a really well-made game. And the like, I mean, people have been saying that Astrobot is the Mario sixty yep. uh, Mario sixty four <laughs> moment for VR. And yep. okay, so if that was just a normal platformer, I would be like, well, it's well, it's above average, but it's not nothing special. But mm. the VR aspect and how it's built, it, it just, like, that made me, like, a VR believer. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's ever going to replace the conventional, conventionally designed video game that you play on a screen. Yeah. But it's something that's really entirely new because, like, when you're controlling the character, you're controlling him in a sort of 360-degree environment you know, you can turn around and you can see around, like, you can literally, like, bend over, look around corners to find secrets and stuff like that. It's really cool. 
and the platforming controls are very very forgiving mm -hmm. they it's a platformer but it doesn't follow the trend of you know more and more difficult like for example you know there are parts in the game where you're walking on really narrow pathways or even like tight ropes mm -hmm. and you literally cannot fall you can and also jump there, off. there's no lives or game always exactly mm -hmm. yeah you just keep on playing it's a very you know it's just a very nice kind of forgiving game yeah and it's really really it just makes such cool use of the vr like if you've got a psvr and you don't have this game i really think you're missing out it, it does some really it does some really cool stuff and just as importantly it solves you know it seemingly solves some issues that people like me will have who, you know, drive club VR and maybe want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I would say that if you own a PSVR, like, absolutely, like, you must get that game. And uh, I think in most regions, that game is, like, very cheap, like, under 20 euros. So, like, I don't know, like, 100 Canadian dollars. <laughs> Something um, like that, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure, like... I love that game. It's amazing, but I'm not sure if it's like good enough to, you know, get the PSVR just for that game. Or how do no, you feel about? No. Yeah. No, it's not it's not like a system seller per se. Like if you if you told me I had to pick one game to play on the PSVR, honestly right now, it would be Tetris Effect. Oh, I thought yeah, you were going to say Beat Saber. <laughs> Oh, right, of yeah, course. How the hell could I forget that. Beat Saber? <laughs> I want to play Beat Saber so much, but none of my none of my friends owns it, and I don't have VR, so yeah. I can't play it. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Ah, it's, yeah. I can't... I, I've gone over it already in our Game of the Year mm -hmm. episode, but, man, it is super fun. I can't believe I forgot about it. Um, so, yeah, Beat Saber would be the one. Tetris Effect would be the other. Like, the thing about Astrobot is that it's a fun little experience... And it is groundbreaking in its way, mm -hmm. but it's not like it's not like addictive and and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Like it's it's a fairly easy game, a nice little experience, not something that would necessarily sell the system, though. At least in my opinion, and I mean I'm biased, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of platformers to begin with. Yeah, All right. and even me, like I mean I'm I'm a big platformer fan. Um, but even for me, like I really like that game, but I still haven't finished it. I mean that's mainly due to the fact that. Like setting up uh, the PSVR is a bit annoying, especially like after I found <laughs> out that like, like, okay, how it works is that you actually like have to, um, like plug in your, uh, like connect the PS4 to PSVR, uh, via HDMI and then like the HDMI, whatever, blah, 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 goes through the PSVR into your TV and it doesn't, for example, it doesn't support, um, HDR true mm. psvr yeah yeah hmm. oh i didn't see i didn't know about that obstacle that's that's a really unfortunate misplay i think yeah. on so that's part. why most of the time i don't actually have my psvr like plugged into my ps4 or mm. my tv yeah yeah that since makes i sense. don't have a 4k tv mm. it doesn't really it doesn't move the needle for me like i just have it plugged in all the time yeah, yeah. And then that way I can just slip it on whenever I want to use it. That's really unfortunate because it's a nice, it's a nice little piece of tech. Like it's not quite as gimmicky as a lot of other add ons, mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, going back to the Super Scope six and the Menacer <laughs> and like, you know, all the various fishing rods you could get for like the Dreamcast yeah. and whatever. Like <laughs> those are all gimmicky. They're good for one game. 
or two games and they're and they're good at what they are the vr is is definitely next level more of a gimmick i think it deserves a little more love Mm -hmm. but maybe next generation they'll they'll come around on it yeah i think the real thing is gonna be once the once the tech becomes more affordable and the price point goes down a little bit i think it's it's almost there to where people because right now i think the price point is at a, a level where even if you're curious about it you could easily talk yourself out of buying it because 100%. it's essentially what it, i think now it's like around $200 us and you can bundle it with some stuff but at that price point i could easily be like well if i want to spend you know 50 to 100 more dollars i just buy a switch also yeah. like buy one Xbox thing that one. i would like to mention is that if you you know you are a ps4 uh, owner um and if you like, let's say you have a 4K TV, uh, and then if you expect, like, if you get a PSVR and expect, expect like crystal clear graphics, that's not going to happen. Oh, no. No, 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 no not even that, close. That's like, like, that was something that, like, I did not know about that beforehand, like, mm. before I, you know, bought my set. Yeah. And I was like, wait, is there something wrong with the headset? Like, what is yeah. going on? It's like really yeah. very, like the graphics. It doesn't look that, that well. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. And that's like really, like I played uh, VR Worlds and there's this like one, like kind of like, kind of a, like a gangster game. Mm. And I was like, man, this would be really amazing if the graphics were better because yeah. the, the blurriness like really like it ruined the immersion in that case mm, yeah but I, know. I, yeah. I kind of feel like i don't know may, maybe the next gen will be like the generation for vr well i think it, i think that we're i think it will be in a sense because i think the thing is psvr is sort of the stopgap between if you want to spend like a thousand dollars and get an htc vive or a oculus rift or something and like you want to spend 50 bucks and get like a cardboard like thing and slide your phone into it. You know what I mean? Uh, Exactly. But the thing is, I think that PSVR is finally seeing like games that are who like, that are getting like YouTube views and stuff like that. Like stuff like super hot, like beat saber, like Moss, like Astrobot. Like these are the games that I think people can now point to and be like, Okay, I want to get VR, like, but what games can I get for it? And now there's actually, like, a decent sized list of games that people can point to and be like, you get this or this or this. And there's variety because before it's like, oh, you can get this flight simulator thing or you can get this thing where, like, you look around and, like, use your head to, like, move the level or something. But now it's like, no, there's, like, fully formed, like, games that don't just use VR as a gimmick, but like integrate it as like a important part of the gameplay. Right. Also what's great about the PSVR is that, okay. So, uh, the headset itself is becoming more affordable. Like Mm -hmm. I think when it launched, it was like around like $400 or euros. And now it's down to 200. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you usually get this bundle deals with a bunch of games, but also the games themselves, like, yeah, you can find lots of VR games for, you know, 10, 15, 20 euros, yeah. including, you know, Tetris Effect and Astrobot and so on. I think the key is going to be whether it's backwards compatible with the PS5. Yeah. Because we've got the PS5 on the horizon and it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4 games and that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. But if you if you tell people they need to buy a new, a new VR headset, helmet, oh no. 
yeah. it's going to be it's going to be it's a going no-go, to kill this right? technology right away. I actually yeah. do believe that. Okay, so take this with a grain of salt, but I do believe that they uh, did mention that it's going to be backwards compatible, like the PSVR headset will be backwards compatible, yeah, uh, or work with the PS5, but. But at the same time, uh, like what I'm wondering about is that, like, eventually there there will be a PS5 VR headset. Oh but yeah. If I buy that, will like these like previous gen VR games will they actually look better or will it still be like like they have a PS4 games? Yeah. Good question. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Probably for like three years from now, I would say. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm surprised. Honestly, I I am legitimately surprised that Sony has supported it as much as they have. I honestly thought that like this would be a thing that like two years down the road they'd kind of abandon. Yeah, because Microsoft never even released their um, VR. Set. Yeah. So what else have you been playing, Paul? I know you've been playing. I know you just haven't been cooped up playing Astrobot for two months. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, look, if I'm honest, I'm still mostly playing Etrian Odyssey Nexus. Of course you are. But I've already talked about that, and nobody wants to hear me go on about Etrian Odyssey. <laughs> so, um, with that said, the uh, the other game that I've been playing, it's a game that I actually, it's a game that I got, like, three years ago or something. Mm. And every, I would say, eight months or so, I come back to it, and I put, like, 20 or 30 hours in and I just get obsessed with it um, and I play it on Steam but it's available on Xbox One so you know for all the console fanatics who listen to this show and aren't really <laughs> PC gamers hey at least at least we're covering a console um, it's a game called Dungeon of the Endless never heard of it I don't know if never yeah, heard of it me neither. I, I'm assuming none of you have heard of it. So it's made by Amplitude Studios. They, they've they done a few other games, often with the word Endless in the title, like Endless Legend, Endless Space. Endless Space is probably like their big release. And But Dungeon of the Endless is just way, way different. And one of the reasons I like it so much is because, like Beat Saber we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. it offered a gaming experience that I've just never had before. So... I'll I'll kind of just give a quick description of it and then, you know, tell you why it's one of the best games I've ever played. It, it's if I was to, you know, give it like a genre description, it would be a roguelike dungeon exploring tower defense game. Doesn't really make any sense <laughs> when I describe it like that. Yes. Um but basically it's an overhead view mm-hmm. um pixel art game. The pixel art looks really good too, by the way. And I know pixel art now is kind of starting to... It seems like it's starting to get overused a little bit. But even with Dungeon of the Endless, it has, like, a unique style even in that kind of sub-genre, you know, mm-hmm. sub-pixel art kind of style. In any case, overhead view. You start off in a room, and the room has a crystal in it. And the crystal is what provides energy, power, right? Mm-hmm. So... You take your party, which is you start off with two people, but then it can expand to four and you open up doors to other rooms one by one. And every time you open up a door to another room, there's a chance that a mob of monsters will appear. So your characters can fight the monsters, but more commonly what happens is every time you open up a room, you can build resource gathering items or resource gathering equipment Mm -hmm. and defenses. So 
that's kind of like the main thing of the game is there's three types of resources, industry, science, and food. Industry is what allows you to build stuff. Science gets you better tech okay. so you can build better stuff. And food levels up your characters or saves them if they're getting killed, right? Mm. So you go room by room, you build resource gathering stuff, and then you build defenses around it all in order to protect this crystal. So once you find the exit to a particular level, usually there's about 13 to 18 rooms per level. Once you find the exit, your characters have to go back, pick up the crystal, and then take it to the exit. What happens then is that a horde of monsters comes in and attacks, and the person carrying the crystal is moving super slow because <laughs> they've got this heavy thing on their back, right? So, yeah, so it becomes this really cool, tense thing where all these defenses that you've set up over the course of the game have to be used to protect your character who is picking up this crystal and trying to take it to the exit. Anytime the crystal is destroyed, whether it's at the end or sometime during gameplay, mm -hmm. the game's over and you have to start all over again. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy that, see, that doesn't, sure sounds that like doesn't a lot of fun. sound yeah it doesn't sound like my cup of tea see this this sounds stressful in the exact opposite way as overcooked yeah in that it, it kind of reminds <laughs> me of like a, a, a turn-based strategy game where you could spend like a very long time on a particular level only for it to be like destroyed right at the end and then have to start the whole thing all over again Yes. However, unlike other roguelike games, you do carry stuff over. Okay. So you start off with two different characters, but there's a total of like 20 different characters. Oh, wow. I don't even know the exact number, but it's pretty high. Yeah. And they all have different abilities and different stats and so on and so forth. Like you have some characters who will be better at, you know, helping you research or collect res uh, research resources. You have some characters with huge machine guns that are better at fighting monsters and so on and so forth. And like with any game, you know, a well-balanced party is kind of the key to winning, right? Yeah. So as you progress through the game, if you find a character, you open up a room mm -hmm. and, oh, there's a new character I haven't seen before. So you recruit that character. And if you survive three more levels, then you get that character permanently. Oh, okay. And you can start off the beginning of the game with, uh, with the character. So there are rewards even if you've pumped two hours into the game. Yeah. And then you die, right? Like, you can still get stuff and not feel like you've wasted your time. Yeah. It's, and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's sort of like, I mean, what, what roguelikes are, right? Like, putting enough time into it to eventually amass, like, you know, obviously more skill, but also more resources at the beginning to get you a little bit further each time. Um, Yes and no. Okay. It, you, the resources in this case would be more characters. Yeah. So you have more variety and so on and so forth. But the resources that you start off with are often pretty much the same, okay. right? There's a lot of luck involved because as you open up rooms in each level, you can get extra resources or extra bonuses, or sometimes you get nothing. Yeah. And if you get two or three rooms in a row where you get nothing, then it really becomes an uphill battle. Mm. So you finish the game when you complete 12 levels. 
so often oh, and you carry okay. resources from level to level too right yeah so if you're building up your industry resources and you haven't used them all on a particular level mm-hmm. then you carry the unused ones over to the next one okay and then it becomes a game of balance yeah right like well do i really want to build this extra gun or do i want to try you know surviving and carrying it over to the next level to make the next level easier yeah and then it becomes sort of a game of like, uh, how much can I, how much can I build where I can just barely get by? Yeah. In order to collect as much as possible. How far Often have you the made answer it? Is, I've beaten it. Oh, you have. Um, okay. Yeah, I've beaten it a few times. I would say I beat it once out of every ten times that I play. Okay. And uh, off, yeah, oftentimes you'll make it to like the tenth or eleventh level. And then you'll get crushed. See? Like sometimes there's mobs of monsters and you're like, oh my God, what do I do about this? <laughs> and then you just watch the kingdom that you've built yeah. crumble into ashes. But it's fun. I, I, I swear. <laughs> I swear. I wouldn't, be, See, I wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't really good. Yeah. See, roguelikes are just... Uh, I've always been intimidated by them in the sense that like I just... The idea of, of investing that much time into something to have it sort of be reset for me is tough. It's tough for me to well, like get into. Same here. And that's cool and, and I respect that. But for those of us who are who are courageous, who who strive for new challenges. <laughs> and then, I can tell that you do like this because you also like Dead Cells and Dead Cells is is also a roguelike, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, a roguelike with uh also kind of punishing difficulty yeah, yeah. I, I see the trend here i understand what you're saying arnie um that you're a masochist you know, it's not yeah a little bit <laughs> um and these games aren't for everybody but you know hey i have to talk about it it's what i've been playing that's true of course. and for those of you who have that itch that needs scratching you know if you want to try something that is completely different from anything you've played because I've never played anything like Dungeon of the Endless. Yeah, it, it and sounds ever since like I found it. I've never played anything like it since. Yeah, what I was gonna say is it. It sounds like not your typical roguelike, clearly, because it has like all these mechanics that make it a little more interesting. In at least just hearing about it, it's not as straightforward as like you know just sort of run and try to collect gear until you die. There's a little bit more strategy to it. Yeah. By the 100%. way, Paul, Paul uh, how did you actually like discover that game? Because it's not that common that like none of the other people on this podcast <laughs> like like that we did, like we were all like never heard, never heard. Like, how did you even discover that game on Steam? Yeah, okay. like the it's like when you know it's like YouTube, man. Like you'll find videos you never imagined could have existed just because it's on your recommended list. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on, or I don't even think that's how I discovered it. Like, I love me a roguelike game, right? Just generally speaking. And so I'm reasonably sure that what I did was I went on Steam and I searched for roguelike games. And then I found this one and it was really well reviewed. Yes. And then I put it on my wish list and eventually it went on sale. And here we are. Oh, this game came out in 2014. Oh, yeah, dude. It's been around for a while. Uh-huh. On Xbox One, I think it came out in 2016. Okay. And uh, it's like 10 bucks or something. So, you know, it's a fairly... If you've got an Xbox One, it's a fairly low-risk proposition. Yeah. Like, for example, 
Masa has an Xbox One. Perhaps he would like to try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the only person on this podcast who has an Xbox One. I think that's accurate. <laughs> but, uh, but I no no, as he's got one too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, too. to tell you the truth, I use it just as much as Arnie and Paul do, for example. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Anyhow, I uh, if you if you like this kind of game, if you like something. That's completely different from anything you've played before. Dungeon of the Endless, I I highly recommend it. I do understand, however, if you're a sniveling coward <laughs> and you want to stay away from it, that's cool. <laughs> you know, I won't judge you, but I totally will. I am a self-professed coward, so I have no I, I, heard, I, have, no, I, heard. I have no trouble with with your judgment. Um, I'm not a coward, but I'm just too lazy for this kind of hassle. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is there and anything just, else you've been just playing lately? Pretend that I don't even have an Xbox One. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, nah, man, I, I'm good. Like, there's a few other games I've been playing, but we should probably take a break now, yeah? Uh, yeah, sounds good. All right, one more break, and then we'll be back to wrap this all up. you had something you you cannot wait to tell our listeners before we get to my games yeah there there was a key thing about dungeon of the endless that i forgot that arnie was kind enough to point out to me on our break even though it's called dungeon of the endless it does end and (laughs) and it is like a manageable amount of time (laughs) pretty much yeah but in a good way uh your average game will last anywhere from about half an hour to about three and a half hours so it's not like your typical roguelike, like, for example, Dungeons of Dreadmore, the classic, mm-hmm. where you could pour, you know, 20 hours into your character and then, bam, you're done. Yeah. No, no, no. Your your average game won't last more than about three and a half hours, I would say. Yeah. And that completely changes so, things for me because, like, I can, I can sink yeah. an yeah, hour well, just made into a lot a more appealing, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really a key fact that I should have... What I should have done was spent less time making fun of you and our listeners <laughs> and and more time actually making the game sound good so i i apologize for that i mean the making fun of not so much but definitely the the timing i i apologize yeah. for all right so um, Ari, what have you been playing so I, I know i guess that leaves me finally um mine is you know i think it's going to be pretty short I've been playing a, a few things. Um, one of the things that I didn't talk about when we did one of these the last time was I played through Grim Fandango, finally. Oh, nice. Which is a game that I've been wanting to play for years. I want to say, like, five-plus years at this point. Um, because I really liked point-and-click adventure games when I was younger, but the LucasArts Double Fine sort of era kind of passed me by. Um, because I was really into consoles at the time, not so much computers. But Grim Fandango was fucking hard, man. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I actually just recently. Um, okay, that like I used to be in the point and click 
games back in the day on, yeah. on the on PC, like you know, Full Throttle, Deathly Tentacle, um, yeah. the Monkey Island, and all those games. Uh, but yeah, Grim Fandango was something that I don't know for whatever reason I missed out on it. Yeah. Uh, but I did recently buy it digitally on the Switch. Uh, haven't played it, but now I'm a bit like, damn, like, should I even play it? Um, I will say, like, it's worth playing for the story and the characters, but I used a guide extensively. Yeah, the puzzles um, are hard in this yes. one. They're they're punishing, especially like early on in the game. You can get by pretty easily. I, the game is like without counting like the time it takes you to figure out puzzles. The game is relatively short. I think it's only like five chapters, four chapters, something like that. Um, so if you have a guy, you can probably beat it in like an afternoon. Um, but the actual story and like you know going from like the beginning to the end and everything that happens in between is so much fun and actually like legitimately funny um like the writing is that i would recommend mm-hmm. it just as like an experience not necessarily yeah, as yeah. a um, game um but as the experience of playing it i think is is really fun so that was one um and then another one that yeah, i recently wait, wait. yeah mm-hmm. I, st- I still have um oh yeah yeah still have one thing to mention about that yeah like when I, when I said that I played a lot of point and click games back in the day, <laughs> at the same time, that was like before I actually had like access to internet. Yes. And, you know, access, access to like all these guides. So I didn't, uh, actually like finish a whole lot of those. Yeah. Same here. So, yeah. Same for me. So I think if in the future we will have an episode about point and click games, then I'm probably going to play through Cream Fandango. Well, that's Bidet the thing guide. too, is that like, these games like were at the height of their popularity when as paul likes to say like i had infinite time and so like when you used to get stuck it was like well i guess i'll just try everything all over again like click on every thing on every screen but i i have no patience for that now (laughs) like (laughs) I, i i it's funny to me like i used to be actively like I used to actively try to avoid guides as much as possible. Like I was like, I don't want to go on game facts. Like I want to figure it out because there is like, there is satisfaction to like figuring something out. Except when, yeah, except when the logic in the puzzles is so insane that like there's been times when I figured out like a puzzle and a point and click and I've just been like, this was not worth it. Like, the series of yeah. clues that I had to put together to like come up with this insane solution to this puzzle was like not not worth my time. But now I'm just like, I'll try like a few times. I'll try like everything that makes sense to me. And then if none of that works, I'll just be like, I'm just going to look it up. Yeah, same yeah, here. Like, can you imagine me playing those games back when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11, 12? Yeah. When I, like, my English wasn't really that great back, <laughs> <laughs> back then, and I didn't have any guides. Um, and I mean, yeah, sure, I had infinite time, but still, uh, like, some of those games were really challenging. Yeah. Especially, like, when you actually, like, had to type in command, it wasn't just, like, clicking. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah, dude. The old Sierra games nope. with, oh, man. Yeah. No. I, I was yeah, point was and cool. click. That was the extent of my, like, aversion, uh, like, descent into that sort of genre like the text parsers and all that stuff i didn't get into that might be for the best (laughs) like i mean they didn't really age that well no 
Yeah. No, no, it didn't. Like it was, it was fine for the time because there was nothing else.、Mm-hmm. But nowadays, yeah, exactly. That's a lot of that's a lot of fumbling in the dark. Yeah,、um, but I do have to say that they say new. Uh, Leaser suit Larry、oh, yes. coming out soon. I'm gonna be really disappointed if it doesn't have,、um, like, if you don't have to type anything in that game. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the reasons, like,、uh, like that game、um, mm. helped me study English back in the day. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That explains a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that it explains all those questionable games that I play nowadays. <laughs> that one got me. That was good.、Um, but the other game that I recently finished that I had a lot of fun with, another short one. I I don't want to like mispronounce the title of this, but I it's Monster Tale or Monsters Tale. One of those two. Okay. T A L E Monster Tale,、um, but it's a DS game. It's Metroidvania meets. I want to say Pokemon, but that's not really accurate. Basically, the conceit is you are this little girl who gets like transported into this world.、Um, they don't really explain how, but you find this monster egg that hatches into a monster, and so he's like your sidekick. Um, and basically, what happens the way the the game is split up? Top screen is、uh, where you are, like where your character is. Run, jump, fight, do all that cool stuff. Bottom screen is where the monster goes, and so you can move the monster between the top screen and the bottom screen. When it's in the bottom screen, you get items that enemies drop, and the monster. Depending on what the item is, it could be food, it could be a toy, it could be workout equipment.、Um, and when he uses workout equipment, yeah, like dumbbells, it's it's, it's weird.、Um, right. But basically, when he's <laughs> down there, he interacts with the items, and when he uses an item, it、uh, ups his stats. So it like gives him if it's a bike, it'll give him more speed. If it's a dumbbell, it'll give him more strength. If it's food, it'll give him more stamina. And as he sort of interacts with these items, he gets more experience. And the real meat of the game comes when the monster gains enough experience that it evolves. So the monster has three forms:、uh, child, teenage, and adult. And each of those forms have a like a branching tree of evolutions, depending on. What form he's in, so like he'll start in basic form, and that'll branch out into two different forms. One of them could be, I don't know, really good at fighting, and the other one could be really good at healing. And then, depending on which one of those forms you want to focus on, those forms then branch out into one, two, or three other forms. And I think, and you do have sorry, and you and you can you can guide the monster to the form that you prefer. Yes, well, you can switch back、okay. and forth between any form at any time. You're not、right. you, you're not sort of stuck like on a path when you pick it. You just have the ability to like I want to switch to this form now, and I want to switch to that form now, depending on what it is. Because there's also the monster also comes in three colors:、uh, blue. Red and green, green being earth, blue being water, red being fire, and they have sort of a rock paper scissors effect、um, on battles. So like enemies also、right. come in the three colors, and so if your monster's blue and the enemy's red, like the monster can attack the enemy and it'll have more of、uh, damage. 
Um, and the opposite is true. Like, if, you, if you're an element that the enemy is strong against and they hit your monster, your monster takes more damage. Um, no. Yeah, absolutely. I actually have to say, like, that game, like, Arnie, like, you sold me on that game. And I'm actually checking out a Wikipedia article about the game. And turns out that it was um, never released outside of the U.S. Yep. And, and <laughs> once again, in Soviet Finland, we never got that. <laughs> yep. But the th- but is I can't remember. Is the DS region free? I think so. The DS yeah, is yeah, region free, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah okay. But yeah, so that's apparently, all good. like there was um like there was supposed to be a remake for the 3DS, but mm-hmm. I guess it never happened. Nope, got stuck in development hell. They were originally yeah. also planning a sequel that never got made. Um, but so you know, mechanically, what what the game boils down to is like you sort of craft this monster however you want to help you. Um, and then you sort of control, like, do you want the monster on the top screen helping you fight and using abilities to, like, heal you and stuff? Or do you want him on the bottom screen using items and, like, growing more powerful? So there's that Mm -hmm. sort of balance back and forth. Um, But the game is just, like, it's pretty short. I think I spent, like, eight hours on it and I beat it. Um, so it's not like something that's going to take up a ton of your time, but it's really fun. Like, it's just like, you know, you get the typical Metroidvania tropes, like your character learns new abilities as they go through the game also. So like you got your double jumps, you got your, you know, ranged attacks, you got different little things. Um, and you know, it's, it's really just a fun little like game that will take you about maybe 10 hours to beat. But there's a lot of depth in there if you really want to get into it. Like for me, I basically just stuck with a form that I liked that had abilities that I liked and tried to level it up as much as possible and I was able to win. But if you really want to get into it, like I think there's something like 20 some different forms across all three like stages of the monster. Um, And each one has like their own unique ability and their own unique stat buffs and their own unique whatever um and you can level each form individually i think the most i ever got was like level 20 something but i'm pretty sure you can go much higher than that so if you really are into like grinding and min maxing and stuff like that you can get like pretty deep into the game but you don't have to which is what i like like you can play it pretty much however you want and if you are good enough with your character to like battle then you can get through pretty much everything. Sounds cool. Yeah, I have to say, like, that sounds really interesting. Like, I, like I, like I said, you totally, like, sold me on the game, but yeah. I'm actually <laughs> checking out eBay listings. It's and expensive. Out, that's quite a hidden gem. Yes. Because even the cheapest, like, cart-only copies are, like, 30 euros. I have a cart-only copy that I found at a GameStop. I don't even have a box copy. I have like, I found a little cart at GameStop and that's how I, how I bought it. Cause I had heard of it before. Um, and I wanted to play it, but it really like, honestly, for the price, uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable like fully recommending it because it is pricey. Um, yeah. and you're not going to get like, again, you might get like eight hours out of it. Unless you really well, want to like, said, I mean, sort of dig into it. 
Um, but story. And there are ways to play these games without, you know, actually. Oh yeah. Not that I, not that I recommend, <laughs> you know, all the, all the shady stuff, but like, I, you know, we can't pretend it's not there. Yeah. We can't pretend there aren't ways to play these games that don't involve the original cards. Absolutely. So. Um, but what I would suggest is like, if it sounds interesting, because it's really hard to like explain, I always pick games that are really hard to explain on here. Um, I would say like, check out like YouTube videos of it and see if it's like your cup of tea. The art style is also like very cartoony. It's not like, it's not pixel art. It's not sort of like gritty. Like you'd expect like maybe something like Metroid or Castlevania. Not like that at all. It's very like lighthearted and sort of, I think maybe aimed towards a younger crowd, but it's pretty fun. I, I had a good time with it. Cool, man. Yep. And then the last Anything one. Else? Yes, last one, uh, which I've been playing recently. I really wanted to finish it before today, but I wasn't able to. Um, but I'm like this close to getting it done is uh, 2064 <laughs> Read Only Memories. Oh, which I, I want to restart cool, yeah. this soon. I have the limited run Vita edition and I really want to play that. Yes, I got it. They were having a golden week sale on PSN and I got it for three bucks, I think. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. I know, right? Digital only. Uh, but I started playing it immediately because the first time I heard about this was I was in New York with Ozzy and Paul and Paul had just gotten the PS4 version. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And I was like immediately like the art style of this. I could tell it's like very blade runner e snatcher e so I definitely want to play this immediately. Um and it's really fun. Like it's another point and click um but much easier. Like there's no you're not going to get stuck on any puzzles with this game. Like as long as you're diligent and you like sort of click around a bit you'll very easily like figure out every puzzle, but the like, much like Grim Fandango, the appeal is in the story and the characters and everything like around that. So it's super fun. And like, cool, man, the, the settings, the voice work, the music, like I really enjoyed all of it. I would say Australia, if you're looking to, to, to start it, I would say go for it. It's also not one that's going to take you a ton of time. Mm -hmm. Um, There's even an achievement for beating the game without ever saving. Mm -hmm. Um, So like if you really sat down and like only did like went from point A to point B doing what you're supposed to do, you'd probably beat it in an afternoon. I think I'm on the last chapter, which is the fifth chapter. Um, But it's, it's a trip, man. It's a, it's a journey. And there's like fun little side stuff to do too. There's like uh, there's arcade machines with like made up games that you can play and stuff like that. Cool. And there is uh, a there's one fun fact. Uh, if yeah. anybody is into the game Valhalla or yes. VA Eleven Hall A, um, this this bartending visual novel game which I love dearly and which is really great. Um, it has a character from Valhalla appear in the game. Yep. Which and is, I think because aren't those two games set in the same universe or something? Yeah, they kind of those two companies. They just found out about each other and that they develop those games, and then they found out, hey, it's both like in some futuristic um, neon vintage eighties aesthetics. <laughs> kind of university 
thing. Yeah. Um, so they just came up with the idea, hey, why not have one character be in both games so that it, it's, it can be linked together in some way. Yeah. And oh, they, man. they found it just, it's, it's like a nice cameo. It, it's not like they planned it beforehand. It's just, it, it was something that came along while they developed both. Yeah. And that's, and that's a way better story than real what cool I thought it actually idea. was. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sweet that they did that. Yeah. Because they like, appreciated each other like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you're into like, like Dennis was saying, like retro sci-fi, like if you're into Blade Runner, if you're into Snatcher and stuff like that, like this is must play. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's sort of a very fun take on the Neo, you know, it's, it's set in Neo San Francisco. Um, so it's like, you're a journalist who like uncovers a mystery based around like one of your good friends who's gone missing and stuff like that. So it's, it's sort of in that noir detective sort of vein, but very, I don't want to say lighthearted because there are dark elements to it, but it's very comedic in its writing and it's very like tongue in cheek. Um, but also has like a very good narrative that'll keep you engaged throughout. Cool, man. That sounds amazing. This this makes me want to play it earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I would have, <laughs> man, with the amount of free time I've had recently, which is very little, I've just been working a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously, like, you know, working on the podcast and stuff like that. So free time is at a premium. And I knew you were playing this game. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I want to play it at the same time <laughs> Arnie is so that we can experience it together. I know. But... You know, then I would have nothing to talk about on the show because, like, I had to play something new and different in order to (laughs) at least have something to talk about. Um, So, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, I actually really did want to play it. um, And I just I didn't get around to it because, like, you know, we 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 have this podcast is a hobby. And now it's like my other hobby is a little bit affected by it. Not (laughs) negatively. Don't get me wrong. But it just means that. You know, 2064 read-only memories might have to wait a little while. Yeah. And that's just how it goes. It's a darn shame. But that's... No, no, it's not because we have a great show. That's true. Eh, I think that's subjective. Eh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, so that's pretty much what I have and haven't been playing. Like, I've started a bunch of stuff... um, and I've, it's funny because one thing I, I did want to say is when we were talking about the uh, rub games on DS and we were talking about games that integrated like touch controls, I've been playing a lot of DS games recently and I have like a bunch of DS RPGs and I, some of them are just like unplayable to me. Like what, what was the game I tried to play the other day? Night, Nights in the Nightmare. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of this game, but I, so I, again, this is another one. I found it at the GameStop for like six bucks and I only have the cart for it and I popped it in and like, I started trying to play this game and I just have no idea how the controls work. And like, there was a tutorial and I still didn't understand like how the controls worked. And I'm just like, am I stupid? Like, how do I (laughs) not understand how this works? And it's like, I looked it up online. It's just like a very weird system that they have, but there's so many like DS RPGs that like 
use the bottom touchscreen in such weird ways to like play games that I just cannot. Like the other one I tried was Blue Dragon Plus. And that one, I had heard that it was a strategy game. So I was like, oh, that's going to be so cool. It's going to be like Fire Emblem. No, it's real time strategy. Okay. And I was like, oh no, I can't play this. Cause it's like, you basically have to like scroll around the map and like click on each individual character and like click on where you want them to move and then like click on what actions you want them to take. And I'm just like, this is too much for me to be like scrolling around this screen so hectically. So I could not handle it. But there are like, for example, I mean, if you're looking for, it's funny that we're talking about games to look for, for the Nintendo DS. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) but in all seriousness, like if you want a real time strategy game, and it's super super cheap. Age of Empires for the DS. I played is it and I really loved it. Really good. Yeah, man, that game. That's it, like really shockingly good. Yes, game. I bought that at a flea market, and I was like, "Well, this is going to be terrible." And then I popped it in, and I was like, <laughs> "I played through like six or seven of the missions, and I was like, this is awesome." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't but, know that. So yeah, Nintendo DS, man, the the hottest new handheld. There are so many. Like that's why I think it's really sad that GameStop's like shredded so many of those cases and manuals for those games because yeah. there are so many like weird, interesting games for the Nintendo DS that I still want to play that you just can't. Like it's so hard to find them now, and they're so expensive. Um, yeah, I remember because you had it. I wanted to play Dark Spire. I've never seen it like out in the wild and impossible. Always wanted to play it. Infinite space is another one that looks super cool. Same here. Also incredibly infinite space. Um, it actually got a re-release. Oh, did it? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's that one can actually Canadian. So shout out to all my or all our Canadian (laughs) people, uh, except Paul. But yeah, uh, for some reason, like a bunch of Sega games, like oh, that, yes. that, that's actually, yeah, published by Sega, um, much like the, uh, like Yakuza 1, 2, 3, and 4 got re-releases um, through, I actually, it's a like, Canadian video retailer. Game Plus? Yeah. yeah, I think it's like Video Game Plus or something like that, um, but yeah, like one of the biggest like Canadian video game stores. I believe. Um, so it might still be available, but that's, yeah, Infinite Space is definitely like one of the, it's actually like the only platinum game that I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, same for me. Like, yeah, like one game that I would really would like to play. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we it's should, fantastic. Like it's very, very different, very we, original. We should do an episode. <laughs> I already say we, but I would like to be a guest <laughs> on that one. Um, about the, oh, really? yes, because it's got a, great library a huge library and it's got so many great titles that have yeah. been overlooked because also many people thought you should do an episode about platinum games <laughs> oh also yeah. an episode i would like to be a guest on <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your cat is getting excited about the nintendo ds too Dennis. <laughs> oh she seems to be excited about something at least yeah that's uh, zelda yeah she but is aside from me you know wistfully recalling every DS game that I want to own and can't. Um, I think that's pretty much it for me as far as like what I've been playing. Cool, man. Well, I guess we can wrap it up then, eh? I think so. Um, so, as we always say, guys, uh, please 
leave us a review and a rating. Here's the thing, and I did want to talk about this. So iTunes does this really stupid thing where they have iTunes stores like for pretty much every country. But reviews from different countries don't show up on the American iTunes store, just like American iTunes store reviews don't show up on international ones. So we really do have more reviews and ratings than we that than show on our page, but they're just like in all these different countries. That's yeah, just yeah. stupid. I know it's it's uh it's frustrating. But so we'd like to as as many as much as we can try to get reviews and ratings for our show because you know it's important for itunes to like push us on other people in their recommended feeds and get other people listening to our show so if you don't do anything else for us please leave us a rating and a review hopefully a nice one but we understand if it's not (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah outside of that i think that'll do it for this episode of the region free gamers uh my name is Arnie. I've been your host. Paul, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, on Instagram, Paul's underscore game room. Sweet. Uh, Strilly, where can we find you on the internet? Also Instagram, it's Strilly Vanilli. All right. And uh, you have a couple podcasts that you also do on the side. Well, yeah, I merged one of my podcasts into my other podcast because the topic was similar and it just didn't seem very logic anymore to keep them apart so i yeah. only have the yeah. the pixel and plastic podcast anymore but it's in german so if you have any german listeners you might want to check it out we are number one in germany i'd like to i know that you. yes since <laughs> since polybits has been on the, on yeah, the po- i'm really podcast. sorry dennis but yeah we are the most popular podcast in germany. that's okay as long as i keep uh, popping up as a guest from time to time <laughs> awesome that will definitely happen um and then you also have a band named magma waves correct correct yes which you should if- check out if you're into good fucking music and um, where Hell we can yeah. find your band's music? Um, is on, it on Spotify? It is on Spotify, on Bandcamp. Uh, yeah, basically all the all the platforms that you need. Um, check it out. And we've got an Instagram too. It's Magma Waves. Um, nice. Thanks for f- thanks for mentioning it for getting the word out. I know Ozzy is a fan. Ozzy bought yeah. our record. I know. I've been listening to some tunes on Spotify as well, and I I'm enjoying it. You guys do Sweet. like really good work, and I mean, Dennis, you are a very talented drummer, if I do say so myself. Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Masa. Even though literally everybody who listens to this podcast probably already follows you, um, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram, and my handle is Masa Charvina No Nine. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> who was yeah, I that? I have to take my influencer voice to the next level for this episode. <laughs> please do the next podcast only in that voice. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I, I, I that. might just yeah. Uh, and you can find Region Free Gamers on Instagram mainly at Region Free Gamers Podcast. We added that one. Right there for clarification, because some people didn't realize we did a podcast. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, at Region Free Gamer, and on YouTube, where, uh, actually, since Dennis is here, I know he loves this part, is where you can uh, take I that... I was looking forward to this. <laughs> where you can take that subscribe button and RKO it straight through a table. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was originally going to say put it in the 
Cripple Crossface, but I don't think I want to like do Chris Benoit stuff on the podcast. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, it's actually a little late. You, you just you did. Know, I know that's drop true. Drop a Fuck. stone cold stunner <laughs> on it. We already did stunners. We did stunners. We did tombstone pile drivers. We done power bombs. Uh, basically, just get as violent with the subscribe button as you possibly can, um, and then subscribe to us afterwards. And you know, yeah. just check us or else out. We're gonna have to go into like we're gonna have to go into more and more obscure wrestling. I know. Moves. I I really it's it's becoming hard. It's I was, really I was gonna say if I had um, had if I were to to tell the listeners what they should do with the subscribe button, I would have said, um, please take that subscribe button and go t- take it take it in your in your right hand, grab <laughs> it by the throat, go up to the third rope and choke slam it onto a barbed <laughs> wired table. There you Next go. Next to the announcer. <laughs> See, we should just edit Dennis's one instead of mine. <laughs> but yeah, guys, that is it for us today. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for all your support. And as always, this is the Region Free Gamers podcast, the podcast that is fluent in gaming. See you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.